Welcome back to the podcast. We are honored and delighted today to be joined by Noe Jacobson, who is a Barron Academy graduate of 2007, who later went on, as we will find out soon, to start the Maccabees at YU before graduating in 2012. Welcome, Noe. Thank you so much for having me. We are. I got to tell you, I, I usually, when I, uh, in, in normal years, uh, I, when I come home to, to Houston for holidays or whatever, I always make a point to visit the Baron Academy, come for davening, see some old teachers. But I feel like with everything, it's all gone virtual. So this is my virtual visit <laughs> to the Baron Academy this year. Oh, that's and great. Hopefully next year we'll do it in person again. Fantastic. Which of the, uh, which of the teachers who are here now uh, do you remember most fondly? Oh, man. There are so many. Yeah. Um, well, I always come to see Ari Kellerman, who is not, he wasn't a teacher of mine, but, but one of my closest friends. Amazing. And now it's weird, it's weird for me that he's such a, a teacher because, you know, <laughs> when your friends become teachers, that's weird. But yes. Um, no, it's just they're great people there. I, I, love, I love coming back. That's great. Yeah. And thanks for shouting that out. That's a, that's a really nice thing to say. And I, when I started this podcast, I started interviewing teachers from those who have been here the longest. Um, yeah. And I can't believe how many teachers have been here 15 years or more. And of course, Gewerit Erlichman leading the crew with 42 years. Amazing. I'm forever indebted to Gewerit Erlichman. I have to tell you, I hope this doesn't come off as arrogant, but I, I, when I go to Israel and speak Hebrew, people are like, that's, that's really good Hebrew. Like, and they say, like, you must have lived in Israel for five years, seven years. <laughs> I said, no, I went to day school in Houston and I had Gewerit Erlichman. Wow. She was amazing. Like, I, I, it's, it's really unbelievable. She has the secret sauce. She's, she's got to share that with with some other Hebrew teachers. I agree 100%. And it's funny that, like, that's enough. Like, if you just say, I give her to everyone in Israel goes, oh, okay. Right, right. They know. They know. Yes, we've heard of her. I mean, the truth is, like, I've been at Jewish day schools that do not have the Hebrew program that there is at Baron Academy. And it's unbelievable here. Where I always, it's a double edged sword because if you come in, like, third grade, you're like, oh, you're way behind. Totally. So that's a good problem to have. So when you were at Barron, was there any kind of singing opportunity? So it's funny, you know, people have asked me like about Barron Academy and, and, and what I make of that whole experience yeah. and what was really special about it for me. And the thing that I always say is just the opportunity to try a lot of things mm. I think is really important. Like, I think, this is my opinion, that school at its, at its core, what, it, what it's about is not just knowledge gaining, like facts and figures and formulas, right. which are important to know, and, but it's more igniting uh, a curiosity. Mm. And, and Barron Academy did that, and I was able to, both academically in terms of what I was, the subject I was interested in, but also extracurricularly, like I played basketball and I played baseball and I... And I, you know, was in the drama program. I was in the plays every year, and I'm not, and I'm not sure I did any of those things particularly well, but I did all <laughs> of them, and and they all piqued like an interest, a curiosity about it. And one of those things was was singing, and it wasn't. I wouldn't say it was the hallmark of my high school experience at all. Uh-huh. But Rabbi Halperin, who was the teacher at the time at Baron Academy, and a few students started a choir, and we just sang for fun. We sang at different events at the school, and and it kind of like just ignited a little all right i like singing and singing in a group could be cool and then when i was in israel for the year i got a video um of uh so the maccabees existed in a form before their current form it okay. was just it was called like the yu acapella group uh-huh. um and it was like four or five guys and 
I got a video of them singing a song, NYU, L'Chadodi, and I, you know, it had a couple thousand hits on it, and and I saw that and said, you know what, that's interesting. I like to try that. And when I went back to NYU, I I went, I made a beeline right to those those guys and said, what's going on here? I'd love to join. And then that group became the Maccabees and, and, and went on to be what it is. And I totally attribute that to, to the Baron Academy. Wow. It's that curiosity of like, you know what? I, I like to try that. It- and that's, that's a huge thing. And the exposure. And in a lot of schools, you don't get that, right? right. Like in, and especially in a much larger school, if you're in the basketball. And I'm not saying this is bad mm-hmm. or wrong. It actually has its own opportunities to it that there are more, you know, st- students uh, competing for both spots, and that becomes your thing. Right. For me, not having the thing, but being able to really see, like, what am I interested in? What's What's cool here? Was it Was a big opportunity for me personally? That's great, and and you're absolutely right. That's uh, you know, one of the philosophies of education is that teaching is the igniting of a flame. Almost the exact words yeah. that you use. Um, yeah. And you're right. If you have that passion, if you have that desire to try new things and follow them through and see what's up. I think that's, yeah. that's really special. So yeah. you did do a, a little bit of singing here, and then when you were in Israel, you really grew. So what happened at that point? When you came back and found those guys, don't leave us hanging, what happened once you found them and said, hey, what's going on with the acapella group? Yeah. Um, well, long story, but I'll, I'll make it brief. Basically, it was, it was a bit of a perfect storm. Um, acapella was becoming really big then. There was a Pitch Perfect movie and Glee. <laughs> it was in the culture very much. And, you know, almost every college had an acapella group and had a Jewish acapella group, any major college. But YU, which is the Jewish university, modern Orthodox university, didn't have a group, didn't have a Jewish group, didn't have any group, which was a strange thing. Right. So there was a bit of an opportunity there. And the group started as performing at, you know, local events in the school. We do, um, you know, we do Yom uh, Zikaron program or, you know, candle lighting in the dorms when people were lighting candles for Hanukkah. Um, and then we were getting some gigs in the New York area, like a bar mitzvah here, a bar mitzvah there. But then the idea was, you know, let's let's put out a, a, a parody song of, for Hanukkah of the Tayo Cruz Dynamite song. And maybe that'll do a good job of getting us a little bit more out there, a few more gigs in New York. Wow. You know, maybe if we get 20,000, 30,000 views, it'd be fantastic. So we put that out. The funny part of the story is we were actually in Houston for a gig. The Gutman family was doing a bat mitzvah that weekend that oh. we put out that song. Whoa. So we came, it came out on like a Friday and I'll never forget, your listeners will know because they know the geography in Houston. We we went um, to the Galleria and went to the Apple store. And we, on every computer in the Apple store, put the song on so I'd get a <laughs> few more views on a Friday. And then we had Shabbos with the Gutman family. It was wonderful. Saturday night, we looked, and there was like I think like twenty thousand views. And we're like, whoa, that's that's insane. Like how, who, how? Right. What? Meanwhile, by the end of you know a few days, there was a couple million views. You know, now that video has over fifteen million views. Wow. Yeah, that week we were on all the all the morning shows, um, and it and it it just was a perfect storm. Um, the the world was ready for it. Now that that whole genre of Jewish parody music is is pretty popular, but right. then it was it was pretty nascent, and it started this amazing ride that I can't believe that we're still on that ride. Now the group has over sixty million views. We've done shows on six continents, and I was ready to hang up the pitch pipes five years ago. We've been going for 10, 11 years, and just two days ago we did a, a virtual concert. We, throughout the pandemic, we've been doing virtual concerts. Oh we're booking gigs into the next year, so. I guess the moral of the story, why am I saying this, is you really, and I'm taking it back to the Robert and Baron Academy, 
you really never know where things end up. Like right. you have to just, this is my philosophy. You have to see what's out there and what's interesting and then follow those leads and kind of follow your gut. I, I don't think that if I would have said to Rabbi Halperin when he was recruiting for the Baron Academy Choir, <laughs> come, we'll sing. We'll, if I just said, you know what? I focus on basketball this year. Right. Shout out to Coach, shout out to Coach Cole. Maybe Coach Cole wished I focused <laughs> a little more on basketball so I could actually dribble with my left hand. But um, I think if I hadn't said to Rabbi Halperin, sure, you know what? That's interesting, Dan. Let's try it. I don't think it would have led to, you know, prodding and seeing and then to where it is now where I've been able to sing at the White House twice. I've oh been able gosh. to, you know, go all over the world. And that's, that's, that's amazing. Wow. What a pivot point too. You're right. Going back to that moment when you said yes. Yeah. Um, yeah, exactly. Exactly. Saying yes is huge. So uh, what's, what's the timeline there? So you, you got there after your two years in Israel, you got to yeah. YU, you found these guys. Mm-hmm. How quickly did this all evolve? Yeah, so 2009 was my first. I started at 2009. 2010, the 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 candle, the big candlelight song came out. Um, and so, you know, through university, that was a, a crazy thing. I, I would I remember handing in a final, getting into a cab, going to New Zealand for a show. I, I remember, you know, just <clears throat> it was a it was a big part of, of the of the college experience for me. For for two years after college. I was still singing with the group and still traveling. I, I worked for um, pre- then President Richard Joel of YU, uh-huh. like a speechwriter. And then I went out to LA. I was doing some of my own music and writing some music and again, just trying things, prodding. Um, and actually, uh, one of your predecessors, Rabbi Ari Siegel, I shall have it, brought me into, you know what? You know, do your music here in LA, but teach a little. So I actually was a teacher for, for two years. Fantastic. And not, it was never going to be my full-time gig, but like again, and I'm trying to draw a theme here of like, let's try it, let's see, let's see. That's you cool. Know, and I learned invaluable things, you know, being a teacher. Always. And what did you teach? Even if it, <clears throat> I taught Tanakh. Amazing. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Um, you know what? If nothing else, I had an unbelievably renewed appreciation for my Robert and Baron Academy teachers. Like, I don't think. You really don't know until you you're, you walk in someone's shoes. You really don't know what it means to be a teacher until you are one. Yes. <laughs> and the level of preparation and the level of responsibility that you feel for, like, you know, it's impossible to take it lightly. I guess someone could take it lightly, but I don't think any of the teachers that I had at Robert Abernick County no. or the ones that I had that I taught with that shall have it take it lightly so it, it is a heavy weighty thing you're like I taught Tanakh my, my responsibility is to ensure that these students like you to borrow your phrase you know there's a flame that's lit yeah when it comes to Tanakh like that that's what that's crazy it's, it's, it's a really pressureful thing and, and maybe people don't know that about teaching maybe they think that it's not a pressureful gig for whatever reason that being an investment banker is more pressureful but I don't think it is honestly that's so interesting is that what you're doing now by the way no, not even. Okay. Yeah, but, I, didn't, I didn't know you threw that I, out maybe there. Maybe I should. <laughs> <laughs> no, I, it's true. When I when I uh, I thought I knew something pretty well in college, and then I tried to explain it to one of my friends, and I realized I don't I don't know this at all. I'm doing a terrible yeah. job of explaining this, and th- that was math. That wasn't as weighty as Tanakh, and so I thought, mm. wow, you know, I really that that's how you know you know it best when you're able to teach it to somebody else. Totally, totally. And, and, you know, like, again, drawing this theme throughout this conversation, you know, if it's true that, because it, it, it could be math or it could be science or it could be Tanakh, you don't know what's going to spark someone right. to, to say, like, 
if you're a seventh grade algebra teacher and I don't know if they teach algebra in seventh grade. Um, uh, some students learn it in seventh grade. Some, okay, if you're if you're a seventh grade algebra teacher and and you teach a lesson or present something in a way that a student gets fired up about algebra, like right. that could be a Nobel Prize winning mathematician in the room. Like that that is that is the responsibility, right? Like you know, it yeah. doesn't always happen that people get lit up that way, but when they do, special things happen. So that's I have I, I take that with me. You know, I have I have a, a daughter now, and I think certainly. Teaching is not going to be my path and uh -huh. my, where I go, but I have a renewed appreciation for, for for what that is all about, definitely. Right, and I'm sure, yeah. like, years ago, I wrote a note to the math teacher who really influenced me to want to become a teacher. Um, mm. You know, he used to work for NASA, and so when you'd ask that classic math question, when am I ever going to use this, he would be able to tell you exactly how you would use it. And uh, oh gosh, so I love that. And, you know, and now I know how much that note must have meant to him. You know, because when I get notes like that, it's just, it blows um, me away. And so when you write notes. Yeah, I, I've experienced that as well in the Maccabees stuff. You know, it, it can be grueling, you know, especially as we got older and, and family, with families. And I'm trying to figure out now, I tried to accomplish with my wife the other week, like how can we get to to all these gigs during Hanukkah when I have a full-time job and we have, she's a full-time job and we have a kid. And, wow. Um, and then, you know, we get notes like that. From folks who had a child that was sick, and they, in the hospital they listened to the Maccabees CD on repeat and helped get them through. Or wow. a student who was the only Jewish student in their um, in their public school and didn't feel like they could wear a, a kippah school, mm -hmm. but they heard one of our songs and and just and thought, you know what, I'm, I'm gonna wear my kippah. You get those, and you're like, all right, it's worth it. I'll 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 find a way to make it work. I know it's not convenient having two full-time jobs as it were, but wow. let's uh let's make it work, you know, because because that's what matters. And I imagine as a teacher, it's the same thing. Uh, like that's what keeps you because it's not easy to be a teacher. Right. But that's what keeps you going. And you have moments where you think like, ugh. And I was talking to a colleague recently who we both have a little uh, note piles at home from former students mm -hmm. or current students, and they write nice mm -hmm. things, and you keep them away. And on a rainy day, you say like. Oh man, I'm making such an impact, and I got to remember that, um, so that even tough days you you can get through that way. Totally, um, totally. Who were who were some of the folks that you worked with? Because I'm sure it wasn't a, a solo venture when you were at YU, making all your magic. Um, who were some folks that were were critical? In the in the Maccabees story, mm -hmm, yeah, yeah. Well, I mean, all all the guys there there are, there are twelve of us, um, and it really is it really was a group effort. And I think that was also part of. <clears throat> Part of the success, I think, of the group is we just were who we were. Like we weren't trying to be what we weren't. We were like clean-cut Jewish boys, proud of our heritage, putting our music out there. And part of that was like there was no, there's no one star. Mm -hmm. There's no one person who. Actually, we have an interesting policy because we sent we do um, gigs in groups of seven, um, and there are twelve guys, and that's been to our advantage because no one does this full time. Everyone's doing it as a kind of a passion project. Wow. So you can't. It's very, except for the White House, and we have one <laughs> gig in New York where we, you know, every year we try, we try to get everyone there to, to be there at, at once. Uh -huh. But aside from that, you, you need to, to have coverage. Like, I can't go to this one, you can go to that one. So one of the policies of the group is you can't, unless it's a hometown gig, so unless I'm coming to Houston, like my mom's brought us in for the Federation, right. um, you can't request particular Maccabees, which I think is a good policy when it comes to just logistically, mm -hmm. but I think it's also a good policy when it comes to the identity of the group. It's actually not about one person. It's about the group, the cohesiveness, the harmony, 
Um, and that's that's what that's what the group's been all about. Um, it's it's been an equal effort. It's been putting in the work, and I'll write some of the songs, and someone else will write some of the other songs, and and um, you know that actually really came to a head this year in the pandemic, where again it was another another juncture. Where we said, are we gonna be able to do this? Like, are we gonna be able to put out music and to do concerts? And at first, there was a little bit of despondency, like it's just not worth it to right. try. It, it, you know, everyone kind of got into that zone a little bit, and then we're like, you know what? we'll make it work. So we ordered microphones to everyone's apartment and video camera equipment. And we learned, you know, I'm, I'm a, I'm a singer, not an, a sound engineer, but everyone got in there. The, the resourcefulness of like YouTube videos, how do you record? And we did it all <laughs> in our homes and we put out music, you know, with you know, hundreds of thousands of, of views. And wow. we did 25 concerts over Hanukkah and uh, virtually. And listen, were the concerts as good as an in-person concert? I will not tell you that. I, I'm, <laughs> I'm eager to get back into uh, into uh, the in-person uh, gigs, right. um, but but we made it happen. And again, that, that was a total deep effort. It's just people saying, "How can we make this happen uh, as a group?" And everyone everyone pitched in in their way. Um, wow, that's special. And I know it's you know not always easy. You know, everybody's got a legal, little ego involved in in things, and it must yeah, not exactly. have been always simple. But that's amazing that you guys were able to come to these policies. Are there other uh, <laughs> Parts of the secret sauce that you can uh, that you can share, like that's a really interesting one you you mentioned. I mean, how long is your policy handbook? You know, it's actually <laughs> well. The other funny thing is, you know, it it, st- it started as a, an acapella group in a college, and it became a business, yeah. and that was also a great thing. Like you know, it, you know, it's Maccabees LLC. I, I'm an equal owner of that group, and I actually went on to run another business of my own. But that was kind of my first foray into it, and I guess part of what I learned from that is there is nothing better than experience. Yeah. Um, or I guess it's knowledge plus experience, um, and to kind of just roll your sleeves up and, and get into it, mm-hmm. make it happen. Um, like, good example for you. Uh, in our, we have a big contract that we send whenever we do a, a gig on for a concert or, or for Shabbat also. Right. And in that gig, it says that if we're staying in a hotel for a gig on on the Sabbath. We have to stay on the fifth floor or below. Now, why is that clause in our contract? Because we had a gig in Manhattan one one Shabbat, and we were on like the fiftieth floor. Oh my god! And, and, and like by the time we get up, by the time we get down, we show up for the gig exhausted. And, and it's funny, but part of it is you know that's it's just experience. Like right. You, you learn you learn how to do by experience, and and you know dealing with the tax implications and and dealing with you know running a business and the marketing of it and, wow. and and how we the structure of it we just built it as we went it was like building the airplane as you're flying um and that could have been a little stressful in the moment but in hindsight it was awesome and again tying it back to our theme of this conversation that's all about just like trying things you know yeah. what I'm saying? just trying yeah. things getting out there trying things following your curiosity and making it happen as opposed to feeling like you have to know it all right. going in right which is never going to happen i mean it's funny. Right. That, that is a, a really cool thing. I like that lesson. I'm sure whatever floor you're on is making my legs yeah. hurt just thinking about it. Um, yeah. But I mean, inheriting a policy manual, you know, when the company's been around for 50 years and like, oh, okay, fifth floor, whatever. But I'm sure yeah. it was much more real to you guys having experienced it. Exactly. That's a great one. Exactly. I like that a lot. Any, anything else that uh, you remember as, a, as an example of a policy that's evolved over time? policy that's evolved over time hmm 
nothing immediately coming to mind. All right. It's, uh, yeah. I, I get distracted by tangents, so I apologize yeah. for that. <laughs> no, I liked it. It's a uh, good, good challenge and, to think about that. And what, do you, what is your full-time gig now, just out of curiosity? Yeah, so I do, I do um, marketing and content development for a consulting firm. And the funny thing is that I, so after I was a teacher in LA, I started a business where I did marketing and content development for all sorts of folks. And the, the, the group that I work for now was actually a client of mine. Um, so again, it's another like, okay, I'll, now I'll go try to run my own business. Okay, now I really like this client. They were really interesting and, yeah. and I found them very compelling. Let me go work for them. And that's kind of just been my, my way in my career so far is, is you know, going where my the scent takes me. And that's great. That I'm sense. sure making those contacts and connections is, is really important. Yeah, exactly. Exactly. Uh, um, and do you keep in touch with some of your uh, Baron Academy peeps these days? I do. Yeah, it's it's a family. It's a, a small family, but a family. Um, you know, so many so many great friends that that I speak to. You know, Michelle Ohana, a friend of mine out here, lives in LA, so we have a little LA contingency. And Ori Gross at his wedding recently, and um, and you just find a way. It's funny. I, I was in actually I was in Colorado for business. Um, and I wasn't be able to get back before Shabbos, so I'm like, okay, Colorado, Colorado, and I, oh, Laura Mitzner lives there at yeah. Stephen Pallet, so <laughs> reached out to them and had a whole Shabbat with them and, and their family in Denver and, and reminiscing on old memories oh, and funny stories, gosh. and you know, it, it felt it felt really good. It felt like you know, you have everyone has different concentric circles or their networks right. and you know, schools, the universities they went to or their communities, but you know, that school network is definitely there and definitely strong and. And um, that was a good feeling, you know. Yeah, even in, you know when you go to Colorado for business, wherever you go, there are uh, there are folks there. Yeah, when I was uh, teaching at boarding school, uh, some kids brought a song. I think from USY or something. Wherever you go, there's always someone Jewish. Um, right. You're never alone when you say you're a Jew. But it right. sounds like when you say you're from Barron Academy, it's that same experience. You you'll find somebody. 100%. 100%. Oh, that's really that's really special. Um, any other uh, shout outs that you want to give to? Anybody here? Just want to leave the door uh, open. No, just just love Baron Academy. I, I really I um a super formative part of, of of my my life. Not just in terms of what I what I learned, but but who I learned to be there. Right. And um, yeah, it's just uh, that's all. Well, I can say a lot a lot of a lot of hope. A lot of hope. That's yeah. Beautiful. When I was in Atlanta, and the Maccabees came to Atlanta, I remember just being blown away. I mean, the it was packed. It, I'd never seen anything like it, especially for, you know, a, a Jewish group. And it was really special. And it really, you're right, it, it, it brings everybody up in, in a really unique and special way. So, yeah. yeah. Right. Thank you. Yeah. And again, I, I credit that to the, I'll tell you one story just to, to, I'm happy we went, I went the route of singing and not some of the other routes that I tried in Baron Academy. One of my favorite <laughs> Baron Academy stories is um, I was on the baseball team. Now, we were particularly bad, like, <laughs> no, like, like really bad. And I was part of the root cause. Like I had no business playing baseball in any sort of organized fashion. And they put me into pitch one game, which was uh, just, I can't believe Coach Cole made that choice. It was right. a terrible choice because I had no, pitching is so hard and the focus. And I get onto the mound and I throw the pitch and I plunk the first batter and like, and like the umpire is like looking at me sideways, like what's going on here? I'm like, I promise you, I did not try to do that. Like I promise you, I, if I 
Next batter. Oh no. Hit him again. <laughs> and now the ump's like ready to go. What's going on here? Everyone's uh, looking at me. What are you doing? I'm like, I'm not trying to do this. I think I hit one. I think the next batter was fine. And then the batter after that, I hit again. And they took me out of there. And the funny part is, my mother, God bless her, Suzanne Jacobson, yeah. recently honored by the Baron Academy, a most proud, loving mother. Like every basketball game she's there, every play she's there, like beaming, happy. I just look at my mom in the stand and she's like, I don't know him. I don't know him. I don't know if we can embarrass the fight. You know what? I'm happy about with the singing, not with the baseball. That's better, hilarious. Better choice. I, I think calculating your ERA would be a really scary thing. Oh, incalculable. incalculable. <laughs> There's a division by zero error somewhere. So. Exactly. Oh, that's a great story. Um, yeah. Thank you, Noe, for, for making the time to chat today. This of is course. really special getting to, to hear from you. And. Um, I know your legend lives on here at Barron and obviously across the world, so it's really special for us to catch up. My absolute pleasure. Thank you for having me.